This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big Eight tournament champion. 93-7, the ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakovan. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Happy Tuesday to everybody out there. This is On the Block with Strick and Bach here on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. You can also find us uh, here on the Sutter Heyman Jewelers video stream on Facebook, on Twitch, on YouTube. I'm Jake Bachman, and he is the Husker Hall of Famer, longtime NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strick, how's your Tuesday going so far? Great Tuesday. Great game last night. Uh, slept well, woke well. Sun's out. Great, great day. Yeah. Okay, uh, you know, it's some some sports to talk about. Playoffs are slowly approaching in the NBA. Um, obviously, NCAA has failed. We have craziness already jumping off in the transfer portal, and people are already talking crazy in the top 25. So <laughs> some, uh, I don't know how you do it, but, hey, uh, you can throw it out there and see if it sticks. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to look forward to it because they, they they always do this. You know, they, you know, I think this one's from ESPN, but a, a too early top 25 for next year. Uh, we'll break down later in the show. I love those because, especially in college basketball, you have no clue at this time what those teams are going to look like, the, at least the most important pieces of those teams. So um, it, it'll be kind of fun to run through that. Uh, obviously, uh, it was uh, it had gone final last night. Now we don't have college basketball for quite some time as Kansas is the national champion for the fourth time in program history, Bill Self, the first Kansas coach, surprisingly, um, to win two at in Lawrence. So congratulations to him. It was a, a long time apart. Uh, I believe he's also, other than Rick Pitino, the longest um, coach in between titles. Of course, he hadn't won since 2008 with Mario Chalmers uh, hitting that big shot against Memphis back then. Um, how did you feel last night played out? Do you feel that the best team won, um, or did you think that – uh, especially there at the end with some court malfunction problems, uh, North Carolina might have been robbed a bit. Yeah, I, I, uh, I honestly think that it was very unfortunate. I mean, first of all, Baycott had the ankle injury that was hurting him in the previous game when his numbers were slightly better. Uh, to be able to recover in 48 hours is is a great tribute not only to their training staff but to to him and also having young legs that is that is something that's of value you get older that stuff takes a little bit longer to recover from but yeah i actually watched the video and i saw i saw it i actually saw it give way and yeah that's very unfortunate because he did he had an angle he he was attacking the basket you had um foul trouble on on um uh, gosh, I keep dropping McCormick fellow's name. Yeah, gosh, dang it. <laughs> it's tough. I want to say McCarthy McCormick. <laughs> yeah, um, on on Big McCormick, and uh, so he was probably going to be able to challenge, but is, would he have been able to really challenge because he would have put himself at risk? And then it just gave way. I mean, that was a huge play. You're only down one. That's a turnover because that ball just 
I mean, your reaction to that, you drop the ball and you're going the other way. So then it begs, it, it, you know, I have to ask the question at that point, did the same thing happen to Love when he was just oh, kind yeah. of backpedaling? He's, I mean, really, he was doing nothing. He was doing nothing. I, I don't know. I have to really hope I can find that film. He was really doing nothing but just backpedaling, and then all of a sudden his ankle just rolls. I mean, that's that's an odd thing to do. Now, listen, all players, all all of them had the same playing surface, so I just think it just seemed to be unfortunate that it fell on um, North Carolina's side where you know you have two of your best players, and then Love didn't play up to his capabilities. Yeah. Um, he seemed labored a little bit. Uh, obviously, when you're shooting jumpers, not having your full range of motion and to be able to get into the your full elevation of your jumpers or in your penetrations, um, those things hurt. And so uh, they just didn't have it all together. And, and, and Kansas did a wonderful job of, of staying poised, uh, staying engaged and uh, fighting and scrapping. And they got back into a big game from McCormick, though, man, just he, he played very big for them. Um, you know, it's good to see Remy Martin um, step up and make some big plays as well. And they just defensively, they just got after it, man, and made it really tough for North Carolina. So kudos to them. Kudos to them. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It was a game of runs, too. Kansas opened up with a seven-point lead, seven to nothing. Uh, they got and, up, what, 16? Uh, well, that's what North Carolina ended up getting up, 16, because Kansas was up yeah. seven, similar to how they started against Villanova. Then North Carolina got rolling. They were up 16, uh, and then the largest comeback in, in the history of, of the championship game happened with Kansas end up winning that game. And it was tough, too. Um, you know, we'll get back to the Baycott injury here in a second, but just to award the best Kansas player would be difficult. Uh, I think they they ended up going with uh, Baji as the uh, as the most outstanding player. Um, he struggled from the free throw line, uh, and and I just and, yeah. and quite frankly, I've just seen him play better. So maybe that's that's part of that kind of what factors in too. But you know, Braun had some big moments. McCormick uh, certainly stepped up, like you said. I thought for me, the game swung with Remy Martin because he made some difficult threes. He had a couple yeah. in the corner that weren't too difficult, but a few of them at the end of the shot clock uh, that just looked smooth. And he was really far off to start that game. Like he was bricking things left and right. And you're yeah. going, what's going on? It might have been, again, the adjustment to the open field, basically. You're at a football stadium with a makeshift basketball court. Um, have you ever played on one of those? I'm assuming that's really designated for Final Fours, basically. Have you played on a makeshift basketball court, though? And, and it has have you had problems with the court before? I mean, in the NBA, we used to play on um, at, the Al- at the Alamo Dome when we played San Antonio. So... Uh, that was one that was brought in. I, I don't think we've experienced those types of things. I think the worst court that we we probably ever played on was when we went to a uh, in the NCAA when I was at, at Nebraska. We went to Puerto Rico for the Puerto Rican shootout. I can't remember mm-hmm. what the exact name was. Um, and we were in a gym that basically was open, and it was an open setting. They just had basically these little shutters up top that – allowed air to come through and it was so humid that the floor was just absolutely slippery. And I think, I think it affected us. I mean, it caused us, I mean, we lost, we lost to Virginia tech. I know somebody in there will be, be in the championship <laughs> game. I know somebody in there will be very happy about that one, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, we, um, that was probably the toughest surface that I think I played on, uh, but not, not any makeshift surfaces that I felt was doing anything crazy. 
Uh, the only other surface I think is when they, for a while, continue to try to lay the parquet um, down in Boston. When they continue to try to lay that, where you still every now and then you had little dead spots here and there. Oh, but yeah. Other than that, yeah, I hadn't experienced anything too crazy. Do you think that this uh, this what's happened here with, with Baycott going down and, and clearly, if you see the video, the the board yeah, pops up and gives out on him. Um, do you think that this might put an end to the idea of having? I mean, because it's so much money though to be made and, and such a big you know they want to get all that attendance in there. It's hard to imagine they're going to change it, but at the same time, talk about the worst possible time for that to happen. It very directly affected the national champion. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to go that far, Bach. I, I, I really don't. I think they'll just try to figure out a way to to make it better. It could have been easily just uh, the movement underneath because they, they, you know, they brace it up so it gets a little bit of bounce to it. So it's just not you're playing on the hard concrete and it's really hard. It gives you a little bit of, of give and bounce, so you're you're not affecting knees or anything like that. But you can definitely tell there was a problem there, and that's hard to check, but. You know, you literally have to go and check every inch of the freaking court to try to figure that out. And then, you know, you're doing it with size. You're doing it with weight. You're doing it with um, pressure because of the the driving that he was making. And that one step, just at that one specific spot, it was like, that's what I felt. I felt that was going on. Yeah. It was it, it's it's uh it wasn't the best look for them, but uh, for what yeah. it's worth, at least Kansas gave them a shot at the end. Uh, something else we should talk about is the the inbounds pass. They only took point three seconds off the off the off the clock because Kansas had the win, all but locked up three um, a three point lead. Just had the inbound and get fouled, um, but instead they they ended <laughs> they inbounded the ball and the guy was running around around the, the on the sideline and stepped right on it uh, twice. Uh, that would have been, you know, if Kansas or North Carolina would would have knocked down a three, that would have been hard to live down for the Kansas crowd. But here's what's crazy about it, right? They had a they had a play drawn up, and it looked like it was probably going to be a pretty good one. But Brady Manick, as he was going off the pick, so it was like it was like a rip screen action where the big man's at the at the free throw line extended. He goes down. He picks for um, another player. It was like a, a, a flare screen or a, a, a screen coming to the ball for love. Um, and he doesn't, or somebody, and he doesn't get it, maybe Davis. And then he then retracts and gets the ball because it, it, no, no, everybody was covered. But it seemed like it was some weak side action to where Brady Manick was going to be involved, but he ends up stumbling somehow, yeah. gets legs caught up, and he falls. And so it literally killed the play. I, and then here's the other issue with that. They had called their last timeout just previous to that. So Hubert Davis, instead of retaining the timeout, he wanted to basically give them a little bit extra time in the huddle so that they could then have a little bit more clarity as to what they were going to be doing in their play. And I think it was something for Manic. I really yeah. do because of the he way looked he upset was getting out there. Too. He was he was he was visibly upset. He was trying to get out there to the spot where they had it. And I venture to say it was going to they had enough time. I think it was going to be a catch, a rip and go drive to the basket, which would still give them enough time and then hope that that guy who is normally a guy that's covering Manic in reaction may just give them a little bit of space and a help. He hits him in the corner and then he gets a a wide open shot to which he had hit a couple of them during the game. So, you know, unfortunate, very unfortunate. 
Yeah. And uh, but for Kansas, at least, uh, you know, rock Chuck Jayhawk for today as they are having won their fourth national championship. Very cool again to see Bill Self uh, get it done after all this time. Some people bothered um, by Carolina and Kansas both. Um, being under the microscope of the NCAA now for several years, and nothing has come out of it, so it's kind of an uh, awkward situation there. Right. Um, but uh, you know, just fast. Well, that's in the air right now. So yeah, you know, that's a that's a very good question, and maybe we'll follow up on it on the block. Is that you know we don't know if Self will still be around. Will he decide to you know forego, move on? Um, you know, he's got he's got a good couple of championships. Will he will he will this be his last one? Depending on. Uh, those, 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 uh, whatever infractions, uh, if there are infractions, something's going to come down and how harsh it's going to be may determine if self ends up staying or not. And whatever the situation is him leaving, would it then, you know, mitigate or, or, or minimize, uh, some of that, those infractions, oh, yeah. you know, he, he'll probably look to do, I'm sure what's best for the university of Kansas. Well, it, it's, it's too, just going to be interesting to see what happens when it does, if, if it ever does come out, if anything comes out of it, um, because college basketball, especially it, 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 it was just almost like you had to look the other way to not know things were going on, uh, with the AAU groups and in, in, in the school, in the shoe groups and all that stuff. And so everybody, like if you're competing like a Kansas, a Duke, a North Carolina, um, and, and you weren't doing that, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's unfortunate, but it's the same thing, you know, like within any business, um, if other groups are taking shortcuts and you're not like good on you, but they're going to be in a better position. And so it's going to be hard to compete with them. And so I don't know, like, it, it's just going to be, it's basically, you know, it goes back to the old saying, it's not, uh, if you're cheating or not, it's, it's if you get caught. And so that's kind of what they're waiting to come down on Kansas. Maybe, maybe too. That's, that's why Nebraska being the cleanest program in the nation, you know, <laughs> all, doesn't have those types of issues. And maybe that's why they, they can't, Get it done. You know, I, I hey, listen. <laughs> no, the, the difference for me is that, you know, I, I was blessed. I, I, I had the baseball contract, but I really do understand. And, and I'm glad UIL is kind of around because I, I really do understand how tough it was for some of my teammates just to get some dang pizza. You know, because if the, if the training table closes and it, there's a limited time on how when you can go into the training table, if it closes, you know, it gets, it gets tough. You want to take your girl to the movie or you wanted to go and get something to eat and you want to go have a nice meal. You ended up taking ramen noodles and, or eating a little small pizza or something like that. Yeah. It, it, it was pretty tough, man. I, I, I can, I can see that, but I, I was a bit very fortunate that I had a, you know, baseball money that I was able to take advantage of. Well, now, you know, like you said, with NIL out there, I, I saw a, a Texas uh, recruit hanging out in a very nice car for their star running back. So it's a little bit different these days. And uh, well, you should have seen the one that um, you should have seen the one that Shador Sanders uh, popped in that may be a UIL uh, part of his deal <laughs> down at Jackson State. He oh, yeah. To the new the new Corvette. I was like, she OK, that's how, <laughs> that's how we roll it. Huh? OK, it's just the, it's just the way of the world today. And, and I kind of like it because, like you said, um, these things have happened. They're, they weren't they're not the first athletes to drive really nice cars because of playing, but they're the first ones to do it legally, I suppose. So that's yeah. good. <laughs> or at least in the in the eyes of the NCAA. I don't know if there's anything illegal in, you know, the, the court systems about it. But uh 
uh, as, as far as uh, Kansas goes, again, Bill Self now, I think the 16th coach all-time uh, to win multiple titles. Uh, on the North Carolina side, it's kind of interesting. Do you think that uh, Hubert Davis just has it rolling from here and North Carolina is good to go? Uh, or do you think that there still could be uh, kind of what happened to Kevin Ollie over there at UConn where he took over for a historic coach? Won with his players, but wasn't able to keep it going. North Carolina, after all, had to make this run out of the eight seed this year. Or do you think Hubert Davis, you know, this could propel them um, to really get a good thing going down there uh, in Chapel Hill? I actually, I, I thought some of the same things. Um, I was impressed. And uh, there's a couple of things I'm impressed by Hubert. One, Hubert is a very humble dude. He's, he, he, has, he has extreme humility in that he knows what he does well. And he does what he does well. And I, you can take that all the way back to his career and the way that he played. He understood what he did. He understood his roles. He understood where his value was. And this would have him to have a great career in the NBA. He's done the same thing in coaching. And I noticed that in the huddle. So when the big play was needed, and this is, and I love Danny Nee. Listen, I, 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 I love the Nee family. I love Danny Nee even to this day. When I talk to him, it's always good to catch up with him. But one of the issues that Danny had, which I didn't see with Hubert, is when it got really crucial and it got really tight, he didn't allow the best of who he had on his staff to do what they did well. Whereas Hubert had one of their coaches drawing up a, a specific play. He was in there. He was integrated into it. He probably had some, you know, some adjustments he could have made, but he was allowing that person to dictate what was going to happen on the, on, on the play and whatnot. And that had no, no, that had no say on why it went or why it didn't. There was just other factors that happened in that, that didn't allow it to happen to play the way that they had it set. So I love that about him. The second thing I love about him is when I saw when they won the big game against Duke is he turned the attention to the players and that goes a long way. When you're a young player and you're watching those little intricacies, or if you're a parent and you're watching those little things happen, you come to a realization that that's the type of coach I want to send my son to. And so when he goes into your room with that type of humility about the fact that I care about your son, I care about what his, his, his legacy is going to be, him growing into the man that he's going to be, and us helping him to formulate that type of person and, and, and to become that type of man that we, you know, as a parent, you envision him to be. You see that from Hubert Davis. That's why I think he's not going to have a problem because that's really what recruiting is all about. It's about relationships. And I think him going and sitting down and looking a parent in the eye, you, you, you would feel comfortable of sending your son to a North Carolina program. Yeah, I, I like those thoughts. And, and also, you know, just kind of as, as juxtaposed to, to the UConn program, they're, they're not like hunting for a conference. I think that was probably something that also hurt yeah. Ollie. Ultimately, you have to, you know, be able to, to coach. And, and I think what, what he inherited from Jim Calhoun is what got him the title. But, um, you know, North Carolina is set, set pretty stable there in the ACC, so they feel pretty good about it. Maybe. I mean, for now. You never know. There's, uh, there's always the rumors about the Big Ten. If they go out and pick an ACC team, a lot of people say, well, maybe North Carolina and Kansas you can get the basketball brands running up um so who knows uh, <laughs> there's always a chance that things could change but i guess even well, the, in that the case, killer part is going to be that yes you love kansas you love the program but what is it going to become once oklahoma and once um texas vacate yeah. and, and and is it just on oklahoma and texas yeah the only two? for now what is it going to be i love baylor i think baylor's 
yeah. has a pretty solid program amongst themselves now. But what is the conference going to be? Is it going to return to a Big Eight style? Is it going to still have the same prestige? Are you going to still want to play when you're you're missing pretty two pretty good pieces of that puzzle? That's going to be the thing. The interesting thing to watch down the line is is how you know because kids want to play at the highest levels of of competition. And, you know, I think I think Gonzaga has been able to get away with it. But I think that's also what's hindered Gonzaga from really breaking through because they play a tough schedule. But then at the end of the day, the conference play. And listen, that is no knock to that conference because they had some pretty good teams that came out of there with St. Mary's and, and, you know, some of those those types of teams that are over there that they're competing against. So. It's it's just going to be interesting to see what what happens when when those two vacate. That is interesting, and and it is also. I mean, it, you have to look the other way, not to um, kind of think about it. Is that the the the, the Big Twelve and now has won back to back titles with their your teams out the door, and it's kind of just um, you know we'll see what happens because when they bring in those other teams. Um, there's a few of them that aren't going to help too much. I mean, BYU kind of is what it is. Central Florida is not going to do much for you. Um, but Houston, now that's a big addition. Maybe that can cover yeah. up, you know, part of the Texas yeah. leaving. It's, it's not Texas, obviously. Um, but as far as uh, where the program's been going, it's in better hands on the basketball court. And again, that's that's where this that's gonna is. That's going to be good for them. That's going to yeah. be huge for Houston. I oh, yeah. With, with, that, with their recruiting abilities in Texas, knowing that Texas is now vacating, Houston then becomes – the perennial pretty much or Houston and Baylor. Yeah. They kind of become those, those types of programs to where you, you know, you want to compete against some of the better competitions in the big 12, then that's where you're going to go. So yeah. they, that, I think that's going to be kudos. And Houston's a great city, man. I mean, oh, yeah. it's a great place. If you're going to go to college, shoot, that's a great place to be. And the other team is Cincinnati. Who's got a really good program um, over the years. Yeah, so. uh, They've been down a little bit in basketball lately. But, you yeah. know, football. It's crazy how that shifted. I mean, it used to be very, you know, I remember. I mean, I think we were in the same region as uh, Cincinnati that year, and, and it was uh, it was pretty good because I think if we would have won, we would have faced Cincinnati. Um, if we would have won that first game, and I was looking forward to having a a, a, a challenge with uh, Nick Van Exel when he was there, and I got a picture on my wall right here. I tease him about it all the time. I'll send him a text every now and then. And say, Nick, you remember when I was about to give you this work in the post? <laughs> so I, I'll have to show you that picture was sometime. He, was yeah, uh, was Bobby Huggins still coaching Nick Van Yeah, Axel Huggins was the okay. coach. Yeah, Huggins was the coach there at Cincinnati. Yeah, they had a tough team. You know, they had some they had some pros that came out of that team. I think Nick was there. And, uh, Corey Blunt came out of there. Oh yeah, uh, they had a, they had a few others that came out of there that was really tough. Yeah, and of course, eventually, most people remember the the Kenyon Martin year where he got injured before, but they would have been maybe favorites to win. Um, there. Listen. Did you see the dunk his son had where he took a body-to-body contact and elevated continuously his head? He was looking in the rim like, okay, are you going down yet? Yes, you are. Okay, it's my turn to come down. And he bent. You've got to look that one up, bro. I I might have to send it to you. I I had it on my post, uh, I think, yesterday. It may be gone now, but my gosh. I said he got that from his daddy because that's what his daddy used oh, to yeah. do. His daddy could go way up there and get it. There crazy no athleticism. It. Ooh, I crazy love Kenyon Martin. Yeah. And, it, and, 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 and that's why I think it worked really well in New Jersey because Kenyon wasn't – he was tremendously athletic, uh, but their style of play with Jason Kidd and, you know, Kerry Kittles and Lucius Harris, and they just – they just would run and they would get out in the open court and let Jason do his thing. And they would find guys and it would be, it was lob city before, 
the Clippers mm-hmm. had Blake Griffin and CP3 and that whole crew. So, and oof, and then you got, you know, the young athletic DeAndre, um, um, Jordan, big, uh, yeah, DeAndre Jordan. Oh, shoot. Oh, man, yeah, he crazy. threw some down too. There's some pretty yeah. fun laws with those teams. Uh, been off the text line says, uh, Cincinnati's where Lance Jeter transferred to Nebraska from. Yeah, Lance Jeter, one of a, a, a favorite yeah, among Husker time. fans. Yeah, he was one of the ones that, yeah, I hear a lot of people had a, a, a quite affinity for. Yeah, yeah, he was, a, he was a pretty good point guard. Uh, I think just played two years here at Nebraska, obviously transferring over, uh, from there. Uh, let's take a quick break here on the block. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the teams left out there in college basketball that have not won a title. Who's still hunting for their first ones? The best programs there. Also, Nebraska did introduce Adam Howard today, and he said that he wants to instill the fact that defense travels for on this team. How much can that do? How long will it take to, to instill that into them? We'll talk uh, with Strick about it next year on The Block. <laughs> 